This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Here's your host, Alex Nottingham. Hello, everybody. Again, this is Alex Nottingham, founder of All-Star Dental Academy, and we are in this webinar series, Hope in Crisis, three-part series, where we explore dental practice management, HR, and technological issues to navigate the COVID-19 crisis. In our first webinar, we were discussing HR and employment issues with Adrienne Twig. I want to thank her so much from Ben Erickson. Amazing uh, webinar. We also had our VP of Coaching and our hiring uh, director, Robin Reese, and uh, Eric Vickery, one of our longstanding coaches, was helping as well in the chat. And in our last webinar, we built on our HR discussions. That was still a very popular uh, question. And on allstradentalacademy.com, we have a lot of resources on HR and references of where you want to go. We have a location called allstradentalacademy.com slash survival. We have some interviews that I did on when it comes to HR and these situations, as well as in our blog, I have the replay posted of my interview with with uh, Adrian Twig, and as well as I'm mentioning our second webinar, we were looking at practical practice management steps to help your business and employees not just get through the crisis, but how do we build towards recovery? And I had none other than our head instructor, Larry Gazzardo, with me, and that replay is posted as well. And actually, while I'm speaking and interrupting my my rant, I want to go live on Facebook. So I'll get kind of that going. Do, 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 do. Go there. Okay, so Facebook is being moved along as well. So you can check those resources out. And in today's third and final webinar, we're going to explore those technological, technological issues. And I was kind of referencing them in the other two webinars. And we are going to find some great resources. And I have the great honor, a dear, dear friend of mine, Dr. Lauren Levine, and you, good person to know, the digital dentist, very, very well known. And he's our special guest today. And Dr. Lauren Levine is the digital dentist. He founded his technological consulting firm in 2000. And by the way, he, he was a dentist in a previous life, a periodontist. Uh, his focus is providing comprehensive IT service that understands dentistry inside and out. Today, with clients all across North America, his team of talented IT professionals can solve your technological challenges and help you stay focused on your patients. Please welcome Dr. Lauren Levine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I hope everyone out there is staying safe and healthy and uh, thank you for joining, and hopefully I can answer whatever burning questions you have, and uh, you know, we're here for a while, so bring it on. All right. So just tell me how things are going with you. How are you, uh, you keeping safe? What's, what's new on your end? Yeah, well, things are going fine, actually. You know, we're here in Southern California, so uh, like uh, pretty much half the country, we're in, in close to lockdown uh, phase. The um, one of the main advantages for my business model is that my technicians have actually been working remotely for about eight years now. So this is really no different for what we've always been doing over the last number of years. Um, you know, I've got my 13 year old. He's out of school. So, you know, dealing with that. But 
Um, from a business standpoint, we're busy. We've got, you know, I know we're going to get into this today, but you know, we've got a lot of offices that are working remotely from home and need our help with that. A lot of people are taking advantage of this downtime to do the things that I've been on their case for for the last seven years <laughs> that they, you know, their number one excuse was we just don't have the time. Well, now they have the time. And without, you know, making light of the situation, I think um, one of the things that I have the most fear about is that, um, you know, only essential businesses are open here in, in SoCal right now. That does not include hair salons. And, um, you know, it's interesting, about six months ago, my, my 13-year-old son came to me and said, Dad, can you please get me, it was like a barber's hairdressing kit with clippers and, you know, uh, scissors and he wanted like a mannequin head with with a wig on it that he could practice cutting hair for I, I never understood why it's he's had no inclination before or after to to cut hair meanwhile that may be my only option for the next few weeks so I mean it's a scary thought having my 13 year old cut my hair but uh, I may not have a whole lot of choices probably not something you worry about yeah and I don't have that problem basis, Alex. no I don't have that problem no, very, very nice and neat. And, and, and look, we've been getting a lot of questions that people have been asking about how to safely work remotely, train remotely, how to interact with the practice management software remotely, and how to do it safely, certainly. And so I wanted to not get into that. I wanted to wait for you because you're the expert on this stuff. So tell me a little bit about I mean, so the, so the overriding thing we're going to theme we're going to be aware of here are there's two that and, and I've done many, many interviews, interviews with you, my favorite to interview is HIPAA is one thing we'll hear a lot about. And the other is going to be uh, protection from antivirus and, and malware and those things. So those all start to come into play in any of these things we start to engage with. So starting. So so how do we how do we effectively just in general start to train so like my people who are training with Ulster General Academy they they want to I mean obviously they, they have a computer they log in they do that but how does a team interact like in terms of doing huddles or or um, so let's start I like to start methodically so first step is I have a team I want to communicate with them I want to discuss our training needs I want to goal set with them how do I interact with them my team will start first then we'll right. go to patients there's, there's multiple ways of doing it. Um, you know, my team, we tend to use Skype on a day-to-day -day basis just because we are working remotely. We're not discussing any HIPAA-sensitive material. There, there's no protected health information that's being discussed in this. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, we literally just got um, a notification from the Office of Civil Rights today. And I think this is important for people to understand that a number of government agencies, you know, the, the stimulus bill just passed about an hour or so ago, um, the IRS is delaying payments, uh, you know, tax returns for 90 days here in California. We've got a 60 day uh, break on, on that. Um, but offices of a rights send out this memo that they're not on break and you cannot use the word coronavirus or COVID-19 if you suffer any type of breach or there's been any violation of HIPAA law and expect to get away from it. From, away from it. And they just published these new telehealth regulations, which talks about the fact that if you're going to be using any type of video conferencing, either with patients or where patient information is discussed, it has to be done in a secure way. 
So they mentioned uh, specific programs. Let me actually see if I can pull them up here. Uh, Got it. So they specifically talked about using ones that are okay to use for video conferencing would be Skype for Business, UpDocs, VC, uh, Zoom for Healthcare. Uh, the ones that, that you specifically cannot use would be Facebook Live, Twitch, TikTok, Slack, or, or other ones that are that are similar to that. Can you so, get me that as well? I'll put that in our survival kit, our resource yeah, library. I'll that to you. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so you, these are, there are certain things that, there are certain um, softwares you can use that, that are protected. It depends on the content of what you're discussing. Okay. If you're just having a video conference to talk about, you know, the, the practice in general and HR type issues, things where there's not protected health information that's being discussed, then you can use really anything like a Skype, you know, something like that is fine. If you're using something where patient information is being specific electronic protected health information, you have to use a secure system. One of the things that makes it secure is that whichever product you're using has to be willing to sign a business associates agreement with you, we call them the BAA. And this is something that offices have had to do for, for 10 years with, with HIPAA, with any of their, their vendors that have access to their information. Same thing with uh, video conferencing, that they have to be willing to sign that BAA. Again, okay, so, so if you're, so if, if you're just training your team, again, my all-star students wanted to know, if I'm training my team on all-star training, we're not mentioning any patients, we're seeing how everybody's doing, we're talking about goals, strategies, whatever, that you can do anything you want. Yeah, Skype, Zoom, anything, whatever. any of those are perfectly fine. Okay, and then if you are gonna start discussing patients in the call, you need to use uh, a platform that will be willing to sign a HIPAA uh, a business agreement. Can you, what were some of them? Didn't you say there's a Zoom version that does that? That does that? That's, yeah, it's called uh, Zoom for Healthcare. You know, most Zoom is free, the ones that most of us use. Uh, the only version of Zoom that will sign the BAA is Zoom for Healthcare. That's 25 bucks a month. Okay. Called, uh, and the BAA is a business associates agreement. Correct. And and the same thing, uh, Dr. Um, Levine was advised in our company as well. Since we do call grading, um, we've we've been upgrading our systems even further. And one of one of the things that you recommended is if you use Dropbox before it was Sucasta, that was one. But you mentioned if you're using Dropbox, that you want to use Dropbox for business. So pay attention here. This is another issue: is storing, sharing data. So whether it's Google Drive or others, you have to have a version. We know that Dropbox Business has a version that they will sign a business associate agreement. They do have some of the HIPAA provisions, like where there's they're they're keeping a paper trail. Um, I know I, I went a little tangent, but what are the other ones? I know business uh, Dropbox for business. What are a few others that that are compliant for file sharing? For file sharing. Um, that's a good question. I mean, Dropbox for business or, uh, you know, using the Sucasa, uh, plugin is probably the one that 99% of, of our clients are using. Again, it's the same criteria. Uh, you have to, they have to be willing to sign the BAA. There's other things that you look for. Um, for example, you have to do what's called auditing and logging. The, um, mm. you have to be able to know because there's protected health information in that in that folder or wherever it's residing, you need to be able to track, well, who accessed that information and when do they access it? What do they do with it? So you need to have that in place. 
It has to be encrypted, obviously. You have to um, have what's called auto log off. You know, a lot of times people use services, and we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about uh, remote desktop. Sure. Where you can't use a remote desktop software that just stays open all the time. You know, right. if you're sitting at home, logging into your office, you walk away from your desk for a few hours, you can't have it open that your kids or you know, your spouse can just go in and start looking at the stuff on there. There has to be some type of system set up so that it logs you out after a certain period of inactivity, say 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever the case may be. So you have to look for all those things. That's why, you know, you, you, a Dropbox for business, um, <clears throat> there's uh, other ones out there, but the, you know, you want to look for ones that are designed for healthcare because most of the, you know, the regular Dropbox and Google Drive, ones like that, they're, they're not compliant. They right. Cause I heard, VA. so you mentioned Zoom for healthcare. Somebody said that there is a Skype for business. There might be, uh, uh, and I think Google Suite said if you have the business class, right? G Suite, correct. G Suite. Okay. Regular Google, no, but if you have G Suite, which is like 10 bucks per user per month, then that, uh, you know, and again, we, we need to be careful about the term HIPAA compliant. Okay. HIPAA does not certify any mm. specific hardware or software as being compliant. There's no such thing as a HIPAA compliant firewall or HIPAA-compliant software. The question is, does the software address certain HIPAA rules and regulations and allow you to achieve better compliance by using their software? Gotcha. Um, so, because it's, 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 it's a, now is HIPAA a statute? Would you, is it, is it statutory? Law. It's a law. It's a law. It, and it, so there are elements that, that there are, laws, but it's okay, law. it shows there are elements you need to be kind of to, um, so when, when you're being uh, audited or sued, there are certain elements they're going to look at. Did you, and we'll get to that later about the risk assessments and so on. Somebody had a question about, is FaceTime okay to do video consult a patient? No, they specifically, I mean, just make sure I, I got that in here. The ones um, that uh, OCR, well, they said Facebook Live, Twitch, TikTok, Slack, um, basically any, you know, again, unless FaceTime is, is going to do a BAA with you, which they're not, um, unless it's encrypted, you know, I just, we don't recommend that, um, you know, because th these initial regulations that I was just talking about are designed more for, for dentist to patient communication or, you know, or staff right. to patient communication, but it, it obviously covers a lot of different things as well. So I would not, I, I, you know, I don't have anything specific from OCR that says you can't use FaceTime, but just knowing the way that it's set up, it's not something we would recommend. And somebody has a question that if they're having a cash flow issue and their computers need to be upgraded, um, would that be okay if they didn't upgrade until, uh, don't have the revenues to do that mass upgrade? Would they be more lenient on that? You know, you can't spend what you don't have. Um, you know, one of the things that kept us very, very busy last year was the fact that Microsoft ended support for Windows 7 and for Server 2008 as of January 14th of 2020. So we literally had you know, well over a thousand computers that we had to replace or, or upgrade. Um, HIPAA doesn't say you can't run this specific operating system. What they do say, and we'll get into this later, is that you must do a risk assessment, a formal risk assessment and that risk assessment, it's not enough to just do the risk assessment. You have to then address whatever risk you find. Um, one of those risks would be, hey, we're running an operating system that's no longer supported, it's no longer being patched. 
So if you want to work by the letter of the HIPAA law, you have to upgrade those systems. You, have, you should be running Windows 10. You know, are you at high risk right now with offices closed and you know, with a lot of areas like half the country pretty much shut down? Probably not, um, but you know, you, you have to take care. I mean, this is one of the, the themes that we've been seeing. You know, I was concerned when we first started shutting down that, hey, a lot of offices are just gonna start being concerned about cash flow and they're gonna hold stuff off. That really hasn't been the case. We have so many clients who say, you know, I've been putting this off for a year, two years. I know I need to do it. And yeah, you know, I'm a little worried about that the cash flow was coming in, but I know, I know, having gone through some of the things that it's, you know, when we get back to normal, whatever that is, I think some areas right. of the country might be closer to a month, some closer to two, at some point you're gonna be back to normal. It's me a flood. I mean, it's people true. are going to be jamming in there. You're not going to have time to deal with some of these things. This is a perfect time, in my opinion, to really handle those things that you've been blowing off for the last couple of years, because now you've got the time to do it and you can do it properly. Well, you, don't you know what's so interesting is it's so funny when we first met, we were like, we wanted to do a webinar and you're like, well, what do we have in common? <laughs> you know, it's like you do uh, online training and I do, you know, HIPAA assessments and technology. I'm like, we have a lot in common because it's very interesting. We see a very interesting trend too. I'm seeing an uptick in the amount of interest in training and you would think that that wouldn't be the case. Um, and I think you're right that this is both what we're talking about are, are things that if you do it well now, you save a big problem later. What I was talking with, with Adrian Twig, on my end with training, when you train te your team members well, they perform better and they stay longer and you don't have, you have less turnover. Turnover is extremely expensive, okay? Tens of thousands of dollars. Your stuff is, if you do it now, you're saving well, yeah, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay, depending on the size of your business from a HIPAA violation and lawsuit and those things. So you're right. This is the ideal, uh, a great time to be doing those things. Like you said in the very beginning, I'm too busy because you're right. When you get back, you're going to be so busy in A, taking care of your, your employees, getting them up to speed. Your patient's going to be a lot of demand and ramping up that this is a good time to do those things. You're absolutely right. And it's so interesting how our companies are very intertwined with that. And, and you know, you, we, we've been talking about HIPAA, but really what's been driving things for the last year or so is cybersecurity. And, you know, I feel horrible for the offices that went through this, but it was a real wake up call for a lot of our clients. Uh, there were 400 dental offices in Wisconsin that were hit in August with the ransomware virus another hundred or so that were hit in Colorado in late November, early December. That was a real wake-up call for a lot of our clients who realized, you know, dental offices are under attack. You know, the good news is that a lot of what we were doing for HIPAA crosses over into cybersecurity. Let me get, let me get, get back to that. But there's an interesting point that was mentioned in the chat, and I was going to ask you about this too, and I think it's a good point to address. Um, there, there is a, there is some, um, I think you were speaking about it. Notice uh, from the OCR HSS that, that there is going to be some relaxing with respect to HIPAA rules that if you act, and remember I said this from the very beginning for those who are watching my webinars, same thing with HR. If you act in good faith, that's a term of art and law, that they, for, and there's a non-compliance, okay, 
uh, you won't be getting the penalties. So can you speak about this acting in good faith um, that there is somewhat of a relaxing, they're saying for telehealth? Yeah, that's, the, that's what we got as well with the, the telehealth. That's the, the notice that we got. And I'll get this to you so we can get it out to everybody. I'll, we'll have the list of, um, of people who attended so I can get that out as well. Um, of course, you know, the two key words there are good faith. Let's use an example. Um, one of the things that HIPAA requires is what's called a risk assessment. We've, we've talked about this briefly before. It's in the law. It's most HIPAA, and this included, tends to be very non-specific. I mean, if you look up the HIPAA regulations and ask, how do I do a risk assessment? There's literally one sentence, I do a risk assessment. There's no official guideline However, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, they created a document, it's document 800-30. Uh, it's 100 pages. If you suffer from insomnia, it's going to cure that immediately because it's unbelievably dry. Um, but the basic gist of it, which you would expect, is that you have to do a thorough risk assessment. You have to look at your IT systems. You have to look at things from an administrative standpoint, the physical protections in your office. And that's why I get bothered sometimes when I see some of these companies out there who are telling people, hey, you know, since HIPAA is nonspecific, go online and take this 10, 15 minute questionnaire. You've done a risk assessment. When we do a risk assessment, it takes five to seven hours. I mean, it has to be thorough and comprehensive to do it properly. Also, and this is kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I apologize about this. You know, I see a lot of companies that for years were OSHA compliance, and now they're doing OSHA HIPAA, they really have nothing in common. I mean, it's like putting your dental office inside of a florist. I mean, they, they just, there's no similarity. And if you think you've done a risk assessment, but you did not do a thorough evaluation of your IT systems, um, looking at you know password policies and network shares and firewalls and all that stuff, then you haven't done a proper risk assessment. The reason I'm getting, you know, was harping on that is that you know when you see a patient, patient unless it's an emergency patient, pretty much all of you are doing the same thing. New patient comes in, you take medical and dental history, you take x-rays, you do your perioprobing, restorative charting. With all of that data, you then go ahead and present a treatment plan to the patient and then start the treatment. You would never sit someone in the chair and just start treating them again, unless it's an emergency. And even then, you're still doing taking some data. Wait, uh, Lauren, help me because I, I got this notice. I wasn't able to thoroughly read this. Um, you got that. What is the provision? I want to make sure I read it correctly. Um, it was sent March 20th. Um, did you get that one? The one it says um, under the notice covered by Healthcare Google Skype to provide telehealth without the risk that OCR might seek to impose a penalty for non-compliance with HIPAA rules related to the good faith provision of telehealth during the COVID-19 nationwide. Providers are encouraged to notify patients that the third party applications potentially introduce privacy risks and providers should, et cetera. How yeah, do that's you, what I'm talking about, that's that notice. And, and how do you interpret that? Because I need some well, time to read it. Again, it, it goes back to good faith. I mean, okay. and we, again, we we're talking about the, the risk assessments, you know, you're obviously a lot of people are worried about HIPAA violations, okay. Okay. but if you haven't at the least looked to see where are we potentially not compliant, it's hard to argue that you've made a good faith effort uh, I to see. even I see. do a risk assessment. Okay. Um, you know, it. if you're not, you know, they've talked about 
you know, good faith, but you, you know, you can't use a Facebook live or, you know, anything that's public facing, you're not supposed to use it. Now, right. obviously, I mean, people aren't out in public in coffee shops or whatever, but you know, there's a number of things that they would, that's always, you know, the, the issue is good faith. Um, you know, what, who's going to make that determination? And, and, and the same good faith, you know, we're talking about HR the other day is employee manuals. If you have a manual and you follow the process, and you you get sued you you know you have things systems you were acting in good faith have you been acting in good faith those all will be taken as i was saying i'm not as worried about hipaa violations right now as i am about cybersecurity. okay and, I, okay. and there's so much crossover because all the things that hipaa says you have to do as far as okay so let, let, let's get into that because all that stuff but you have you, to have you, that in place for hipaa and of okay. course, it's protecting your office, which is the main, the, the bigger okay. concern right now. So, so, so you already discussed the the issue of just communication software. With, with and you're talking with patients, there were certain ones that you recommended. Fine. Now, this is the big one because I got hit with this. Uh, luckily, I don't ha I don't have any HIPAA HIPA issue on my computer, but. I tried to remotely log into my computer with remote desktop protocol and I'm pretty tech savvy and I'm like, oh yeah, I know, I, I'm good at computers, I know Linux, all this stuff. And so I found a way to open my ports and many of you know what I'm talking about, but you know what I'm talking about. And I was able to remotely log in using a whatever, a remote desktop protocol and it was great, it was awesome and then I got hit with a, uh, what do they call it, ransom attack? Ransomware, nasty, yeah. nasty. So what's happening? How do we do it safely? And what's going on with that? I had mentioned earlier about those 400 offices in Wisconsin uh -huh. and 100 in Colorado. All of those were hit exactly the same way, which was through the remote access software that was being used by their IT provider. You know, the, the people who want to separate you from your patient data, you know, separate you from your money, they figured out, hey, you know, we could try to attack hundreds and thousands of dental offices, but what if we can break into the system of one dental IT provider and you know, basically exponentially push out that ransomware to all of their clients? And they, they found a way to do that. So th there's more or less two different ways that you can access your office remotely. There's what's called a VPN and there's remote access. And each one has pros and cons. Let's talk about VPNs first, because that's the one that we get the most requests for. It's actually the one that we do the least. Virtual private network. Virtual private network. Now, there's two types of VPNs, and I want to make sure I, I, I clear this up. A lot of people may be familiar with what's called a VPN service. You would use that, I'll just give you like a, an off-the-cuff example. Let's say you were traveling in the UK or Germany, whatever. You wanted to watch Netflix on your, on your laptop. When you go to access Netflix, it would tell you, hey, you know, you can't access that program from where you are because they have licensing agreements in different countries. Now, I'm just using Netflix as an example. They've actually found a way around this, but you would use a VPN service in those specific instances that all your web requests, all your web traffic would get forwarded to a server in the US first and then go on to Netflix site. So Netflix wouldn't recognize that is coming from your laptop in the UK is recognizing it's coming from a server in the US and you'll be able to see all the content. That's not what we're talking about here. A VPN, I think the best way I can describe it, imagine you know, in your office, you have a central hub location where there's a switch, a router, a cable modem, and then going out like a, kind of like a hub and 
spoke type of deal, you have multiple computers in the office that are connected through a network cable, an ethernet cable to that, that central hub. You know, it's a very secure system, it's all wired. And maybe you've got a couple of wireless devices in there, but that's how it, it's set up. Imagine now that you could take an invisible wire and stretch it all the way from your office, all the way out to your house, where it could be a mile away, five miles away, 100 miles away, wherever it is. Now you've got what's called a virtual private network, that you are in essence creating a, an invisible cable, a secure connection from your home computer to the network. Your home computer becomes another computer as if it was part of the office network. So the reason that as IT people tend to like that is that it's very secure. It uses encryption. Um, it's almost impossible to hack into that. So it's probably the most secure method out there. Um, the other reason that people tend to sometimes like it, uh, and we'll get into this when we talk about remote desktop, you don't need a separate computer at the office to, to connect to. It's that computer is just like any other computer in the office. It's like the operatory and front desk computers. Why is it something that we don't get a lot of call for or a lot of our clients don't like? Uh, first off, they're not the easiest in the world to set up. Uh, typically, you need a VPN router at both locations, at your home and the office. Now, there's some software that is a little bit easier to set up, like Hamachi, uh, but typically people are using uh, these VPN routers. The number one issue we deal with is lag. So when you're in your office, you have what's called a gigabit network, where it's running at 1,000 megabytes per second. When you're connecting from your house, it's going to be the slower of whatever your internet connection is at the office or your house. And a lot of times we're talking 25, you know, 50 megabytes per second. So already your maximum speed is going to be 5% of what it would be within the office. Add on to that the fact that the VPN, because it uses encryption, that encryption has about 30 to 40% overhead over your network speed. So basically cut whatever your max speed is in half. Now you also have to deal with the fact that you know, when you're in the office, you're accessing data on the server that's what, you know, 20 feet away, 30 feet away. When you're at home, you're miles away. So there's a, a lag as well. Um, the other concern with running a, a VPN is that you basically have to install the same software at home as you do at the office. So you have to install your practice management software, your image software. Um, some of them have licensing fees where they charge on a per computer basis. So for those reasons, even though I think it's a more secure solution, most of our clients prefer not to use a VPN. They prefer remote desktop. With remote desktop, and again, there's, there's multiple systems out there, depends which one you use, um, and it can be relatively secure as well, depending on how you set up. Um, the main advantage is ease of use. Uh, you basically install some software at the office, you install it at, at your home, and you use that to log on to another computer at your office. You're basically working on one of the office computers is if you were sitting right there. You use the mouse, you use your keyboard. It's no different than sitting right there. You can't physically touch it, but you're, you're right in, in front of it. Um, but of course, with everything, there are some, some downsides. As I said, it's not as secure. 
The main downside of using remote desktop is that you need another computer to access. No one can use that computer because it'd be no different than you sitting right there. Now, under the present circumstances where a lot of offices are either shut down or just seeing emergency patients, you probably have an extra computer that someone can use remotely. When it becomes an issue is more when we're back to full speed. A lot of offices have remote workers, an accountant, a bookkeeper, that you, know, you want to give them access to get onto, the, um, onto a computer, and it has to be a dedicated computer for that remote person because you can't have uh, two different people working on the same computer at the same time. So those, those are the basic differences between the two. I'd say probably 90 to 95% of the offices that we've set up in the past and that we're certainly setting up right now are opting for the remote uh, desktop because it's easier to set up. Uh, a number of them are free, so there's really no, you know, other than labor, which um, you know, we're, we'll talk about that, but we're happy to, to do this for free for anyone that so, webinar. So. What are some, uh, some people have been asking about Doxy, there's also LogMeIn, there's TeamViewer, VNC, which ones do you like? So we talked about the need that it still has to be HIPAA compliant. And you okay. found out the hard way that's not just HIPAA, it's cybersecurity. There are certain ones that are not secure. The same criteria that we talked about with telehealth is the same here. There has to be the auditing and logging. It has to be encrypted. You have to have a BAA with them. Uh -huh. um, the two that we typically recommend the most, one is TeamViewer. Uh, TeamViewer Team is free. If you're doing, um, if you're doing one to one from a house to a an auto, I mean, officially TeamViewer says you're not supposed to use it in any commercial environment. We've never had a problem installing TeamViewer if you're just connecting from one computer at your house to one computer at the office. If you do multiple, that's when it starts to get a, you know, then you'll need the, the paid version. Anything else that falls under the log me in uh, family, which is log me in, uh, go to mypc.com. Both of those, you know, again, we don't say they are HIPAA certified, but if you actually go to the LogMeIn website, and, you know, if you do a Google search for LogMeIn HIPAA, they actually have a list of, you know, 15, 16 different HIPAA regulations that their software meets in wow. order to, you know, as being part of your HIPAA compliance. So, um, you know, so those are the two, the, the team viewer, uh, VNC, which we've used for you know, a number of years um, for Office. We typically use it now for internal, once we're already in the network, um, but pure VNC does not meet the HIPAA requirements. We don't recommend that for offices right now, even though it can be easy stuff. The other reason that we don't normally recommend VNC or probably whatever you use, like Windows has remote desktop built into it. Uh, most servers, uh, there was, server operating systems have what's called RDS, Remote Desktop Services. Every one of those requires you to open up a port in your firewall in order for the traffic to get through. Mm. Go to my PC, log me in, TeamViewer do not require you to open ah. up that port. We would never recommend Does VNC port. port uses a port? VNC requires a port as well. Okay. Typically a port 5900, 5901 are the ports. Uh, the one that's built into uh, Windows is port 3389. Uh, mm, not doing that again. But you know what's interesting? If I use remote desktop internally, there's no problem in my own network. It's when I open ports externally, I get into, you can get into trouble if the, you don't have the proper 
uh, protection and, and antivirus and yeah. Now again, there's a lot of things. Like you said, you have to have antivirus software. You have to have ransomware. We can talk about all those things. But you know, the number one goal is to prevent anybody from even getting into your network. Then you have to say, okay, you know, if they do get through, what protections do we have in place? You know, such as a firewall. So let me just throw some device. quick questions, and because I'm getting sure. a lot of questions, just just give me quick answers so we can keep moving on. Because I think a lot of them mentioned. That's my best to answer, I mean, as many as I can. Yeah. So uh, if a port is not opened, you're more secure. If more ports are closed. Absolutely. That's one of the ways. Um, I actually just got a. Um, well, I can probably send this out to people as well. If you go to Ars Technica, it's A R S Technica. There's a, um, it came out on the 25th. It's a long article, new attack on home routers, send users to spoof sites that push malware. You know what, uh, Lauren, can you, can you send everybody, cause you, uh, I'm going to send the registrations to, to Dr. Levine. He'll, he'll email a lot of these resources to you. Cause yeah, we have, all have like a lot of all the links. I will think you know, what I got from OCR okay. thing about the routers. I will send that out, but absolutely, you know, people are attacking routers now. So, you know, you absolutely want to close off as many ports as you possibly can have. Some yeah. like port 80, which you use for web traffic. You, you, but and that's what happened to me because obviously my port was open and something outside attacked my computer yeah. and got through. Wait to get through. Now, there's other and, ways if you have. And for those who don't know what ransomware is, it's ter It's really bad because like when you have viruses, you can kind of like use your Kaspersky, whatever, it'll get them. But once it in, it, it, it encrypts your, your files and says, I'm only going to open them up for you if you pay money. And you can't do anything with your with your files. It's They're horrible. Nice. So now, if you had a backup, which of course, you know, Doctor Levine talks all about that. So, well, um, let, let, let me qualify that though, because up until August, until uh -huh. we had those four hundred offices that were hit, I was always telling people, we, you know, your backup is your get out of jail free card, uh, right. because the backups that we do for our clients are encrypted. We had never seen a ransomware hit an encrypted backup. Um, that changed in August. We had one client that had been a former client of the IT company that was hit in Wisconsin. We didn't mm -hmm. know they still had the software on there. They were hit. And we went to go to the backup. The backup had been hit. Now, we do online cloud backup for all of our clients as well. And the way that our backup is set up, the local backup won't run if there's a problem, if they find that the files are encrypted or corrupted in any way. Oh, so, we can, you know, so it doesn't transfer to the, the cloud. So we were able to restore from that. So you absolutely have to have some type of, of cloud backup, but it's not necessarily true any longer to say having a backup is going to save you unless that backup also right. includes some type of offsite backup. Um, but ransomware is nasty. And the ones that we were seeing recently, they're, they're doing two things that are different. Uh, number one, they're not just using one ransomware on one set of files. They're doing multiple. In other words, you have to, you know, you have to pay, 10, 15, 20 different ransomware requests to get all your files unlocked. Um, the other thing that some of them are doing is saying, because they know people have backups, they're saying, you know what? You don't pay us the ransom. We don't care if you have a backup or not. Don't pay us. We're going to put your uh, patient data online. So they're really ransoming you. So they're, they're getting much, you know, much more nasty when it comes to, uh, to these, these types of attacks so uh and for everybody giving me different there's there's a, a bunch of different remote desktop uh softwares the bottom line is you you the big thing is a baa if you can get a baa from them that's a big check on the hipaa checklist that you want to be able to get right um and there are BAA, other elements as well yeah. baa logging and auditing so that you can track who accessed it 
Good. auto shut off um, and encryption. If they have all four of those bases covered, your credit and that, to my mind, would satisfy the good faith term that we've been using. You've made faith. a good faith. You you did your homework. You found that this software seems to me. And another another term of art is the reasonable person standard. So, what would a reasonable dentist, you know, the or even the standard of care in the industry? And like he's saying, those four elements is what a reasonable dentist would be doing. And if you don't, it, you can always do more. You can always be uh, OCD and go above and beyond, but at least as long as you hit that standard, you're in there. You don't want to be low, be below that. Can you repeat a little slower the four major criteria that you recommend? BAA, Business Associate Agreement. Business Agreement, encryption. Encryption. Um, auto, auto log off. Auto shut off. And uh, auditing slash logging. Tracking, tracking who's track, in what, when. Gross, okay, right. got it. When. I like that. Okay. Um, uh, somebody asked about SMS, I guess text messaging patients. Again, it just depends on, you know, it's no different than when you were, you know, your practices are at full speed and you, and you text or email a patient. You don't say, Mrs. Jones, we're looking forward to seeing you. Please make sure you take your pre-medication uh, you know, for your heart murmur, because we need this for the implant case is coming up at yeah, two o'clock. It's least amount of information possible. It's okay to say, Mrs. Jones, you know, look forward to seeing you at your appointment. You don't want to have any personally identifiable information in there as far as what medications they're taking, what procedure you're doing. So again, if you're not putting anything in there specific to their care, I think you're fine. But beyond that, I wouldn't use regular you know, SMS text messaging. The one of the things we wanted to talk about is the risk assessment. So people are asking about the risk assessment. Who do you recommend? Well, I'll tell you who I recommend. I recommend Dr. Lauren Levine, and it, you know, and I, I get no benefit from from that. I mean, besides, I I like you a lot. You know, are good friends. But I I've utilized, even though he focuses on dentistry, I've used utilized his uh, wisdom for my own situation because. You know, like I said, I thought I knew it all. I, said, I know just as much as he does. You know, I was a, you know, because I actually went to school for IT stuff and MIS, management information systems. Like I know, and then I got hit because I was being a little cavalier. I said, you know, what do I do? What do I do? So now, you know, I'm, you know, I, I got to be very careful, extra careful. So you do risk assessments, correct? That's one of the yeah. things that you do. Doing it for nine years, actually. Okay. So what what is a risk assessment? Why should you get it done? And what's included? Okay. So. Um, a risk assessment is a thorough evaluation of every aspect of the practice that may be at risk of compromising the security and protection of patient information. Typically, that covers three main areas. Administrative, do you have a policies and procedure manual? Do you have you know, incident reports? Uh, you know, do you have all the paperwork that you need to be there? Are you documenting everything that you're doing? That's, that's actually half the HIPAA rules are administrative. Secondarily would be physical. Are the charts locked up at night? Do you, do you hopefully not take them in your car or at home? Um, you know, do you have alarms on the door? Is there type, some type of video surveillance system or you know, whatever, you know, all, all these questions related to physical. And then the one that obviously is a major concern for us is a technical evaluation. And that is everything. We do what's called um, an external vulnerability scan. 
where we literally, you know, try to hack in through that router to see, to see are there open ports? Can we get in? Um, we look at things like password policies, screensavers, encryption. Are you using a regular Gmail or a regular Dropbox? I mean, it's, it's a very thorough process. The, the beauty of doing the risk assessment the way that we do it is that we don't have to physically be in the office. The, the physical part of it is a questionnaire that we can actually walk the office through that part. Okay, hey, you know, you have an alarm system. Tell me about where your charts are. And, you know, they can, they can fill that stuff out. And we can help them with that. Everything else can be done remotely as far as the, the technical aspect of it. But if it's done properly, it should take, you know, minimum five to seven hours uh, when, when we do. Now, I should qualify that. It doesn't take five to seven hours with your team or with anyone there in the office. That part usually, take the, the questionnaire takes us maybe 20, 30 minutes. Everything else is done remotely, but it does take us quite a bit of time to install software on every computer and run the tests. When you do a proper risk assessment, and this to me, this is the more critical thing, you, it should generate a what's called a HIPAA management plan, their version of a treatment plan. You know, it's not enough to just look and see where you're at, you know, where you're at, uh, you know, at, at risk. You have to then have a plan of action of how you're going to deal with it. Uh, when we've had a number of offices that have gone through HIPAA audits, they ask for the risk assessment first, but honestly, what they're more focused on is that, that HIPAA management plan. There was a, a case a few years ago, a company called CardioNet. They had done a risk assessment. They had just a draft version of their HIPAA management plan. They ended up settling for 2.5 million. And HIPAA takes this stuff very seriously. Um, because of that, and because we know, and we always tell people, when we do a risk assessment, when we try to get an office HIPAA compliant, we can't get you 100% compliant. Anyone that's saying that they guarantee you'll pass the HIPAA audit is blind to you, basically. I mean, you can't do it. There's 700 pages of rules and regulations, but they want to seize that good faith effort. You can't prevent all breaches. So when we do a risk assessment and a HIPAA management plan for our clients, we also bundle in $500,000 of cyber liability insurance. Because if you are hit with a, a ransomware, a, a breach of some sort, there, unlike a lot of HIPAA, which is somewhat ambiguous, breach notification is not. They're very clear that if you suffered a breach, you have to notify all your patients in writing, you have to notify the local news media, you have to be listed on the Health and Human Services website. It's called the Wall of Shame. It's not a place you want to be. You're going to have legal fees. You're going to have fines and penalties. Um, it's considered standard of care to provide some type of credit monitoring for those, for those people. So you're going to need that insurance. So that's why we always bundle it in because we don't really think it's optional. There's no HIPAA law that says you have to have insurance. There is a HIPAA law that says that you must do a risk assessment. Now, one of the questions we get from people, as I said, you know, we talked about this, this NIST document. NIST really only applies to federal institutions. So we've heard some speakers out there say, well, you know, if you're a private dental office, you don't have to worry about it. The fact is, is that it really is the only document, it's the only gold standard that HIPAA auditors use. So it's, it's, that doesn't really make a difference that you're, if you're a federal institution or not, that's what they're using as their guideline for how you should have done a risk assessment. And I can tell you just from firsthand experience, 
if you say, well, you know, we did it at a lunch and learn and we don't, don't have any documentation of that, or, you know, we went online and did this thing for 15 minutes, that's not going to cut it. I know that as a, from personal experience. So, you know, do it, you know, do how, a proper risk assessment. How often should you get this done, the risk assessment? What they say is that it should be done on a regular basis. And there's obviously debate out there about what qualifies as regular. We do it minimum once a year when we do the risk assessment service for our clients, because that in, includes the, the HIPAA management plan and, and the policies and procedure manual and the insurance. We also offer to do it on a quarterly basis. Most of our clients are happy to do it once or twice a year. They're fine with that. You know, you can make the argument, hey, nothing's changed in our office. Same staff, same hardware, same software. You could probably make the argument to do it every two years. Um, the one qualification I would make, and this is really big, you know, if a patient doesn't follow through with their treatment plan, they haven't done the treatment. You know, that's the worst that happens. Let's say you do a risk assessment, you have a management plan in place, and you don't do anything about it. That potentially can be a lot worse because when the HIPAA final rules came out, the omnibus rules in 2013, they classified four different levels of fines. And the lowest, which are only, and I used only, you know, in quotations, only 25 to 50,000, those are for violations of, that you probably didn't know about and realistically shouldn't have known about. The highest ones, and those are the ones you hear about in the news, are for what's called willful neglect, meaning you knew about these problems mm. and you chose not to do anything about it. That's when you have the major fines and penalties. So the one qualification I would say is, listen, you have to do a risk assessment. It's absolutely a HIPAA law. You also need to be prepared for the fact that you're going to have stuff that you need to do based on what that risk assessment finds. For most of our clients, you're looking at somewhere five to 10 hours of labor for us to tighten up all the things that we find in there. Now, in the past, it was a little more of a challenge. We had to do it after hours. Uh, we didn't get offices, didn't want to do it, well, you know, didn't want to not have patients to be seen. Now, people have time. We can crank it out in a day. So, there's no reason not to follow through and actually complete the items on there. What they're looking for, if you ever get audited, they don't expect the risks, the, the HIPAA management plan is going to be completed on day one. What they do expect is that you at least made, you know, there's those words again, a good faith effort to start addressing some things on there. A completely untouched HIPAA management plan is going to go downhill very quickly for your practice if you get on it. Excellent. That makes sense. Somebody's asking about breach coverage insurance. So there's different types of insurance out there. The one that we do, because there is breach insurance. Um, we felt that we wanted something a little more comprehensive for our clients. So it's called cyber liability. Cyber liability would include breach in that. Breach would not, for example, cover you if you got hit with a ransomware virus and you lost income because of that. A cyber liability policy would cover you if you got hit with a ransomware and you, you know, had downtime or you had to pay the ransom. You know, the insurance would cover that portion of it. Now, almost all of them have some type of deductible. It might be you know, 500,000, whatever the policy, I can't remember specifically what ours is, um, but, you know, it's, it's to really protect you in case you get hit with something major. That's, it's something we should point out as well. A lot of people don't know this. When you're hit with a ransomware virus, according to Health and Human Services, they released this in 2016, I believe, you suffered a breach. Most of us don't think of breaches in those terms. We think of a breach as 
someone hacked into your network or you lost a laptop or an external hard drive. The way that Healthy Human Services defines a breach is loss of control of your data, which is exactly what a ransomware does. So if you are hit with a ransomware virus, by definition, you've suffered a breach and have to notify those patients and the local news and you know, all the things we talked about. So um, yeah, whether people are actually doing that, it's hard to say. I would imagine a good chunk of those 400 offices in Wisconsin probably did not declare a breach. Maybe they didn't know they had to, but the law is pretty clear on that point. So I'd like to, I'm, I'm putting in the chat the link to the survival kit. And I, I also want to thank the Academy of General Dentistry. They were so gracious. They, they forwarded this resource to all their members. Uh, they've been very proactive about that. The, the reason I'm putting that out, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a link to Dr. Lauren Levine's website. And what there's a link to do that free. I want to talk about the, the free security audit. So certainly we, we, the risk assessment is what you kind of need and then the HIPAA plan and so on. Now's a great time. I totally agree uh, with that. Tell us for, for uh, cause I, I appreciate generosity of providing uh, our listeners for, for this is the security audit. What is that you're, you're providing it free. What does it include? And, and, and I, like I said, I put the link to be able to access it. Right. So I wanted to differentiate between the risk assessment and the security audit. Yeah. Uh, we've typically in the past always charged for our security audits. We are waiving that for anybody that's on the call, anyone that registered for the webinar. Um, I'll send that out the information uh, to people afterwards okay. as well. Excellent. A security audit is designed to be that, you know, that 30,000 foot view down on where your practice is at. We look at everything, um, on a not in-depth level, but just to look all the main areas. So we know that there's probably eight to 10 areas uh, based on our, again, on our experience and clients who have gone through audits, that these are the areas where the HIPAA auditors are looking for. So if you have those things in place, you're gonna be in much better shape. So the things that we look at is, well, you know, so some things we can look at on our own. So the security audit, it would involve us logging into your uh, office network. Of course, you can watch what we're doing. We just get data. You know, what operating system are you running on the server and the workstations? How many computers do you have? There are certain things that we can't really see remotely. You know, how are you backing up your data and how often? Uh, how are you emailing patient information to referring offices? When's the last time you did a risk assessment? Uh, but we can look at what antivirus software you have, what anti ransomware software you have, what type of firewall is in place, um, you know, whether you've done any type of staff training. So that process normally only takes about 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, we need maybe 10 minutes with an office staff member or with the dentist just to, you know, to answer those questions for us, but it's not designed to be a long process. It is designed to very quickly and easily tell you this is where you're at as far as the major HIPAA violations that we're seeing out there. And so once we've done that process, we would then schedule a call again with, you know, I prefer to do it with whoever's going to be making the decisions, whether it's an office manager, dentist, a lot of times we do both or with, with staff as well where we can go over our findings. You know, here's what we found. You haven't done a risk assessment ever, or it's been four years, or it's not really adequate. You know, your backup doesn't meet HIPAA requirements. It's not encrypted, it's not secure. You're not testing and verifying it. 
uh, you know, these are all the things that we found, and here's all the ways that you can get yourself more compliant. Now, in almost all cases, it involves some type of labor, some type of ongoing services. This is the way that IT is nowadays. You know, we, a lot of us are getting away from the older, we call it a break-fix model, where we're waiting for things to happen before, before we start fixing them. And we still do that. We still have hundreds of clients that we do those services for. Uh, what we're trying to do now is to be a lot more proactive where we can monitor networks in real time. And if there's a major problem, be aware of it really quickly. Um, you know, we can be testing and verifying things on that regular basis. So um, the security audit is designed to give you a really good idea right now where you're at. Now, you know, of course, we would be thrilled to work with offices to help them with their risk assessments. Um, that's, and by the way, that's the number one thing. And when we do a security audit, the number one thing that we find is that they haven't done a proper risk assessment. That's almost always the first thing that we're gonna recommend. Like I said, you can't know what other problems exist unless you've a risk assessment. Yeah. And you have to know. So you have to do the risk assessment first. Um, we do have you know, a number of clients that we work with that have their own IT people that maybe aren't up on HIPAA as much. So as it, it, it sounds to me like, I mean, the, the security audit which you used to you know, charge for, and I know you're making free now, which is nice. It, it's kind of a way to engage, just, you know, I mean, y'all should know digital dentist by now, but to engage as a consultation, you know, find some really good things there and get an, an overall big picture. But for you to actually sink your teeth into, um, into official land, because the security audit does not suffice that for, HIPAA, for, for evidence of, of your, your working, your due diligence. In other words, you're doing your due diligence, but it's a starting the process. The risk assessment is something you physically need to have uh, on a reasonable basis to begin your compliancy uh, endeavors with HIPAA. And then from, from that, you make the recommendations, you start to put together a protocol to protect your data, to protect the patient information and so on. So it's a, it's a good step. Now I'm getting some questions about pricing. Do you want to go over pricing, or is that kind of something that's more of a something you work with with different? No, we, we, we have, you know, there's a lot of what we, my type of IT business that we run is called an MSP, a managed service provider, and it's a fancy way of basically saying automation. That, as I said, we try to get away from waiting for problems to happen. We want to be more proactive and stay on top of it and manage it all uh, remotely. So, you know, most MSPs have, have these different types of systems of how they charge. And a lot of times it's on a per device basis, depending on how big your office is, how many workstations you have, you pay more. I never felt that was really fair, uh, just because it takes us pretty much the same amount of work. I mean, we're monitoring and with, if we have to step in, we, we step in. It doesn't really change what we have to do. It doesn't really change our costs um, for the software. So we talked about the security audit. That's free. Um, I'm going to make another free offer, which is relating back to what we were talking about. If you desire any type of help to set up remote desktop from your home to your office, call my office up. Uh, again, I'll send out this information to people wow. how to get in contact with us. We are more than happy to do that at no cost for you. If you are not a client of us of ours, we're not going to charge you. If you are an existing oh, client wonderful. of ours, I know some of the people on are, we're not gonna take that out of your support 
time that you have with us, we'll, we're happy to help offices do it. It doesn't honestly take that long. I mean, you have to, you have to physically go into the office to install the software, uh, which takes five minutes, then go home and we'll help you set it up at both locations. But 10, 15 minutes, we can easily get it set up for you and make sure it's secure as well. So that's free as well. Um, the risk assessment, if you include the risk assessment, the five to seven hours it takes for us to do that, um, the, uh, the HIPAA management plan, which takes me about two or three hours to put together, the $500,000 of breach insurance. Uh, we also provide uh, with that a policy and procedure manual. Most policy and procedure manuals are, they're a dime a dozen. I mean, you can get them from the ADA. The one from the ADA actually isn't that good because it's a template. People don't realize when they buy it that there's actually a lot of blank lines in there that you have to fill out. So we do a customized manual. That's honestly not, you have to have the losses, you have to have it, but auditors typically want to see what you got and that they don't go through it page by page. Um, if you were to get do all of that, it's $199 a month. For, it's a 12-month commitment. We have a lot of upfront costs for that. We have some people that would prefer just to get it over with and, and pay for that you know, upfront. Um, we normally give a 5% discount for, for prepayment. Um, in these times, uh, for the next couple of months, we're offering a 15% discount. Oh, wonderful. Prepay upfront for the whole thing. As I mentioned, if we do the risk assessment, we are going to develop a management plan that's going to have a certain amount of labor on there. For most offices, we're averaging five to 10 hours for that. Um, we charge 150 an hour for labor. We would have a much better idea once we've done the risk assessment, you know, what you're looking at. Um, we are typically, again, in these times, we're capping it at 10 hours. Even if we need more time than that, we're not going to go above that. Um, other services, it just depends on what you get. Uh, our, most of our backup clients are spending somewhere around 100 to 150 a month. Now, now yes, there are cheaper systems out there. There's Carbonite, there, there's Mosey, there's ones like that. But again, you've got to follow HIPAA regulations. HIPAA says you have to test and verify the backup on a regular basis. So, I mean, essentially, it's like you're renting an IT company that's, you know, an IT position in your office. And it seems very affordable, a few hundred dollars a month to get a lot of these things done. If someone were to get, I mean, I'll give you worst case scenario. Let's say someone okay. said, you know, I know I haven't done enough to get HIPAA compliant. I want to do everything I possibly can within reason. Again, right. just, you can't get 100% compliant. But if you wanted to do the risk assessment and the management plan and get the insurance and have a backup, another thing that HIPAA says, you have to do what's called patch management. You have to keep your systems up to date. You have to encrypt everything. You have to encrypt your email communications. You have to have a firewall, antivirus software, ransomware protection. Uh, you have to do staff training. And of course, you're going to need support. You're going to need IT support. We have a, a package that if someone wanted to do all of that with unlimited support, the worst case scenario is $899 a month. You know, 900 bucks a month will get you everything. We do have a number of clients. I'd say probably half of our clients are on that suite. The other half might have you know, a mix of services. You know, they started off with the risk assessment. They know there's things they need to get. Um, but again, the, the number one thing that we've heard from clients over the last few years about why they haven't proceeded with our recommendations is time. And they've got the time now. So well, it sounds to me, look, from what I hear, just to kind of like simplify, number one, I mean, the security audit is great. And, I, and, I, and that's amazing. I'm so, so appreciative. You didn't even tell me about this. I, I'm going to, 
have to ask you if I can put that on the, the website. The, that's a really nice thing is like, so, so, so Dr. Levine is going to also help you with a lot of questions about how do I set up remote desktop and those things. His team is going to help you with that for free. Now, uh, there are a lot of services here anywhere from a few hundred to plus whatever a month. But for those that are listening, the number one thing, because the thing that takes the most time, I would gather, is the risk assessment and of getting, the, getting things set up. Now's the time to do it. And it's a very, it's a very reasonable investment because you got to do it anyway. I mean, you, you, you don't want to get um, you know, another, we were talking about this earlier, you don't want at that insult to injury. Once that's set up, then you have got, you have a, um, uh, something you can go from there. Cause there was somebody in here who was saying, you know, what about money? Because money is difficult for some, right? Uh, some people were, were commenting about the cares acts coming out or I don't know if it was passed yet, but the idea of there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's SPA, there's a lot of support to be able to, to potentially make investments or, or put the business on, on, on pause. But, but the idea is, and then we're talking about this with Adrian in the HR realm, everything in writing, you want to make sure you're doing due diligence and you have a strategy. Risk assessment, number one, don't, I wouldn't even worry about too much of this. Get that done because then you can, you can then say in your own internal documentation, I've done the risk assessment, which is something that's required. And, and this is my protocol. I'm going to begin. This is my plan. I'm going to begin starting with this. My goal is to get to that, but due to cash flow situation, uh, I'm choosing to begin here. So if you get, and correct me if I'm wrong here, this is my, my legal mind thinking. If, if, if an auditor comes in and sees that this business was, you know, didn't have the money and was making the, the risk assessment is making these steps was like kind of a, you know, some people come for, for treatment. This is, I can't do the entire mouth, but I can do it in steps that I would think that the auditor would be a little more lenient that they're at least making good faith uh steps that's, that's our interpretation but again trying to um not, not be the dead horse here the things that you do to manage your hipaa compliance are conversely protecting you from a cybersecurity standpoint and that in my mind is a significantly bigger threat to practices right now when we do the risk assessment we're going to know that you don't have a good firewall in place and you right. don't have good you know, ransomware. We're actually going to find that in the tech, in the security audit. We'll know that you don't have good mm. ransomware and, and firewall and, and all that stuff in place. So um, you, you have to protect yourself. And listen, I, we, we're hearing this every day from people saying, listen, you know, I know I need to do this stuff. I'm concerned about cash flow. And I know, I know it's not a, a, a true analogy because we're talking about a deadly disease here. But I think back to when I started my practice and I got out of school like a lot of people. I had you know, significant debt coming out of school. I was a periodontist. I wanted to start my own practice. I had construction loans. I had you know, equipment loans. I, I hired staff. I opened my doors and it wasn't like I had a full schedule of patients the first day. It took me the mm, better part of six I like that analogy. Yeah. Or I was even making a profit and I got by. I mean, yeah. I, ate a lot of cereal for a few months, but you know, it's, this is going to be a lot shorter than that. And yeah. again, we're not, I'm not comparing starting a practice to dealing with a, a deadly virus, but most dentists, you know, have, you know, have the ability to get through this. Now the CARES Act will help as long as you keep your employees employed. That's the whole, the thing for the small business association is that you can get up to eight weeks of payroll um, with the proviso that you keep people at, 
uh, 80% or Capacity. more of their current hours. So you can't let them go and then hire them back. It won't cover it. The other concern with the CARES Act is that um, it's probably going to take the better part of three weeks, I think, before they start giving out those loans. So uh, it just got passed today, but we've been hearing from the SBA that you know, about a three week lag before those start. And that was a question somebody was asking about the CARES Act. Uh, for those that also wanted to, to, to forgot the company, Dr. Levine, I mean, you can look them up, Lauren Levine, but it's the digital dentist, very catchy. Uh, that's where you can find him. And uh, what was it that, yeah, what, what was occurring to me is, is, is that we still have to think like business people. I know this is very difficult for dentists, right? Because you're all not taught that way. I know you had to make a big shifts as well when you transitioned from dentistry to, to IT, is that this is very much like a, an, an, say an investment, but it's something you do. Like you have to buy practice management software. You have to have certain maintenance on your equipment. You got to have your, your IT department and your business running uh, effectively. And I know you, and I was so grateful for, I know you do a lot of instruction for us and, and webinars and even do some HIPAA training for us, uh, for our students, is you mentioned that alongside practice management software, you should be doing practice management training with your team, phone skills, scheduling, because that's what generates money. So these are all things when you, when you what I teach, and I have an MBA program, well, not technical, but I call it the all-student MBA, but the idea is to have you start thinking like CEOs. You say, uh, you know, okay, I don't have the money, but I have to think in the future. CEOs think in the future. You, and I will tell you this, and this is why we call this hope in crisis. We have to have hope and that, yes, this, we're putting things on pause, but when we come back, there'll be pent demand and we want to grow from this and we want to get better. We want to be able to, to prepare for contingencies and that these are things we want to make investments for the future so that we can, whatever, look, I don't think any of us predicted this. I know for us in South Florida, we are prepared for hurricanes. We know the drill. We do things. We will going forward, I'll tell you this, all of us will start to include pandemics as part of our contingency plan going forward because these can happen. But you got to think like, like a, in terms of business is that I'm making these investments in my business because I want to, the long-term effect of getting a ransomware attack, which was really annoying. It was terrible. And I'm lucky I didn't have any you know, PHI, they didn't get all my, they got some of my backups. They did get into some of my local backups, but thankfully I had another port they didn't get to, but that's scary stuff. And it's very, I mean, and that could just shut your office down. This, I'll tell you, this, this coronavirus situation is, I don't know. I mean, if you get your, your office gets breached and you don't have backups, in your in your entire, you have to notify all your people, your all your patients, and you can't run your office. Um, that's that to me as a business person would be even more difficult than putting from a business perspective, putting my business on pause, putting the health situation aside, which is something we all want to make sure we're safe and we're home. But we're trying to give you the tools um, to to be safe from your as well as your business. So physically, you got to be safe. But I'm so happy to have you, Dr. Levine, because you're finding ways to keep our business safe, okay, in these, in these situations and finding ways. And again, just to summarize, um, we have the, uh, the free security audit. Dr. Levine, the digital dentist will help you 
set up your uh, remote access, which is a big question. A lot of people want to know, how do I access the computers remotely? He will help you that absolutely free, wonderful. Please do the risk success assessment. And at the end of the day, this is a guy, this is a company you're going to want on speed dial. You're going to want to have, because when things come up, <laughs> you know, it's better to talk to him before things happen. But if anything goes wrong in your IT, whatever, this is a great resource. And he's so generous with his time and so many free webinars of education. I, I said before, you know, and, uh, and I really mean it. You're a gift to dentistry. I'm so grateful for you. And, and um, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, I hope everyone stays healthy, safe. We are going to get through this. You know, apparently some areas of the country are going to get through it quicker than others, but we will get through this. And I have zero doubt that when we are, you're all going to be very, very busy, you know, flooded with, with patients. Um, do what a lot of our clients are doing now, which is use this time to really get your infrastructure in place, do staff training, do all the things that you've been putting off for, for so long. You've got a golden opportunity uh, to get this stuff handled, uh, to protect your, your practice, your, your patient. I mean, there's nothing more valuable in my mind in a dentist's life than their data. You know, that patient information is, and of course, the people trying to steal it from you are also aware that there's nothing more valuable than that. Um, but uh, we will get through this together. I will, Alex will send me uh, the list of everyone that was on here. I'll make sure you get the links to our website so that you know how to get hold of us, uh, to call us up, uh, to get our help with the security audits and helping set remote access. And we're here to help. We're, we're at full speed. You know, I know a lot of businesses are, are suffering. We've got our full team here. They're, they're taking calls. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, it's business as usual here because uh, we've got a lot of people that need some help right now. And, and we're happy to do anything we can to help people through these tough times. I have a lot of people, some people saying um, thank you. Great webinar all three days. We're, we're so, uh, yes, thank you. And thank you for all the great, great experts that have agreed to put this on. And thank you for Dr. Lauren Levine, not just coming, but he was promoting really heavily on social media and all of his channels to help uh, take care uh, and get all these speakers here uh, for you. And, you know, this all reminds me of the quote by Ben Franklin that said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So this, you know, something to think in mind is use light as time to think about where are things in my practice that I can improve on. Um, as Tony Robbins always says, uh, can I? Continuous and never-ending improvement. So I'll leave you with that, everybody. Thank you, Dr. Lauren Levine, Digital Dentist. Thank you, everybody, all these all-stars here. And until we meet again, go out there and be an all-star. Bye. Stay safe, everyone.